book of Matthew, Matthew chapter number 19. Again, this is just kind of our launching spot uh, uh, for this uh, series of messages, Matthew chapter uh, number 19. We'll begin our reading. Actually, let's back up. I think I did this last week. Back up verse 4, Matthew chapter number 19, verse number 4. It's Jesus speaking. The Lord says, and he answered and said unto them, have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female. Now let me just take time out right there just a second and say that uh, you know the, the sodomite movement and this transgender movement, one of the things they like to do to attack our stance on this is they say, well, Jesus never addressed the issue of sodomy. They say that's all Old Testament under the law. And uh, there's a movement in our day of what they call Christian, uh, the LGBTQ plus Christian movement. And uh, they were up there at the, the library that night with their little Bibles, rainbow Bibles on their lapel. I saw it in my own eyes. And they say, well, Jesus never addressed the issue. Well, I beg to differ. He said in the beginning, God made them male and female. Then he goes on in the next verse and he puts his stamp of approval on marriage between a man and a woman. Look what the Bible said. It said, for this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together. Let not man put asunder. Let's pray together. Father, we ask the Lord tonight in Jesus' name that you'd help us in the service time this evening. I pray, God, that everything, Lord, that be said, everything be done tonight, be in accordance to your precious will. I pray, God, that you'd help our families. Lord, you know the desire of our heart, and it's to see our families strengthened. And I pray, God, that you'd help us to do that through these messages. Help us now as only you can. We'll thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Now last week, of course, we're starting off kind of at the starting place, dealing with the marriage relationship. And you can't deal with a marriage relationship till you lay out the responsibilities of both sides, both parties, and kind of what it is to be a man, what it is to be a Christian lady. So last week, I dealt with being a man, being a Christian man. And uh, I believe we need Christian men. I tell you, you could turn a, a man-eating tiger loose in most churches and it'd starve to death. Amen. Wouldn't find a man nowhere to eat. Uh, but uh, I tell you, we need men. We need men. And uh, so we preached on that last week. Tonight, I want to deal with, for a little while, the role of a Christian lady. And that is embracing, embracing the role of a Christian lady. Now, last week we talked about the roles of the man and the woman in a marriage. We discussed how that society has blended or blurred the lines between gender. And in the 1960s, of course, come along with the feminist movement. Uh, and uh, they wanted to free uh, ladies out from under the oppression of their husbands and make their place in society just like a man's place. Uh, but I got a newsflash that can't do it because uh, uh, there's a difference between men and women. But a traditional Christian lady has been looked down on 
with disdain in our society now for several decades, many, many decades, nearly half a century, they've looked down on the, uh, they've looked down on the traditional Christian ladies. Girls were taught to ignore their natural tendencies. They were told that they were a societal construct, that they were just like the boys. They were no different. And, uh, and all of this began to blend together. Of course, we covered last week about how recently they've been doing the same thing uh, to the men and trying to destroy the men, trying to make every, this one big gender and maybe a hundred gender. Maybe there's a thousand genders. They're not sure. And, uh, and all of that is an, an aim. What it all is about is they're wanting to destroy the family. Because the family is an important institution to God. It's an important institution to God. Now, the difference in the sexes are kind of as it is baked in the cake, so to speak. And it can be observed even out in nature. Now, the liberals of our day say that the idea of gender is a societal construct. In other words, society came up with the idea of a woman uh, nurturing children and a man working a job and the difference in the genders and all those things. That was come up in society, came up with all that. But science itself will disprove that. You can Google it and look it up for yourself. There's a ton of, uh, of research out there on chimpanzees. And uh, what they do is they've took dolls, they take dolls into uh, a, a room full of chimpanzees lay dolls down and they'll lay trucks and balls down. And guess what happened? All the little boy chimpanzees, they go pick up the doll, or they go pick up the trucks and the balls uh, and throw them at one another and hit each other over the head with them and push each other down. And all the little girl chimpanzees go pick up the dolls and rock them and play with them. That's because there's a natural tendency in those states where God designed not only mankind, but indeed all of nature is designed in that way. And so there is these differences. And what I want to handle tonight is I want to handle that, uh, the role of a Christian lady. Now I'm going to say this. A lot of preachers get themselves in trouble preaching to women. And I don't know why that is. You can preach as mean as you want to to a gang of men and they'll shake your hand, but you rub a woman the wrong way and buddy, you're in a, you're in a mess. She's she mad. And as a, but listen, I ain't gonna make anybody mad tonight because all I'm gonna do is give you the Bible. Let me tell you where those men get in trouble. They get in trouble when they start inserting their own opinions on things. And it's, I've seen it a thousand times. They go to preaching on uh, what a lady ought to wear and they turn it into a wardrobe seminar. And, uh, you know, what I want to do, all I want to do is just give you the Bible. And if you ladies, uh, and I believe I know you ladies good enough to know you that you'll accept the Bible. I believe you believe the Bible. So I just give you the Bible and uh, see what the Bible has to say about what it is to be a Christian lady. And, uh, and I believe every lady in this building, everyone watching online tonight, ought to want to... Uh, embrace the idea of being a Christian lady, uh, being somebody that is an example of what a Christian lady ought to be. What does that mean? Though? What does the Bible have to say about what a Christian lady really is? Well, let's talk about it. We'll dive into it. And like I said, just give you the Bible. First, I want you to notice the dignity of a Christian lady. Notice what the Bible said in uh, 1 Timothy chapter number 2 and verse number 9. 
The Bible said in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broidered hair, gold, pearls, or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Let the, man, let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach nor to serve authority over the man, but to learn in silence. So the Christian lady is one that carries herself with dignity, with dignity. Boy, a Christian lady is a classy lady. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so uh, there's a, a couple of different ways that this is discussed here in these verses, and I'm going to deal with them tonight as the Bible said. First, uh, there is this thing of dress, in her dress. Look what the Bible said. In like manner also that women adore themselves in modest apparel. Now, what does that mean? Well, I've heard a lot of preaching on it over the years. I've heard, I've heard people talk about the length of a dress or the, uh, the way a top should be made. And, and, that, and that's what I'm telling you. That's where them men get in trouble right there is when they get talking about all that. All I'm going to do is just give you some Bible definitions tonight. You look at that word modest. The Bible said that a Christian lady is to dress modestly. Now, what does the word modest mean? What does that mean? That's, that ought to be what we're interested in. Modest uh, means unassuming in the, this is the definition, unassuming in the estimation of one's abilities or achievement. The Greek word is cosmesos, and it means to be well arranged or of good behavior. That's what modest, that's what modest means, to be well arranged or of good behavior. And so basically the word modest means that you, if someone's modest, it means that they don't draw attention to themselves. That's what the word modest means, and that's the definition that I gave you. They don't, so the Bible said that a Christian lady doesn't dress in such a way to purposely draw attention to herself. Uh, her beauty is within, and she knows it. Uh, she's very comfortable in that, and so she does not Dress in such a way. Now the Bible talks here about broided hair and about jewels and about all those things. What the Bible is talking about there was the uh, most extravagant dress of that day. And uh, these ladies would dress up that way. And uh, the reason was they saw on the prowl for a man. I mean that's just the honest truth. They go out looking for a man. And uh, so uh, Paul said in a in a church setting, boy, that's not how Christian ladies ought to dress. It's not how they ought to dress in any setting. They ought to dress modestly. Now, I've covered this before, and uh, I, don't, I won't fall out with nobody over it, but this is just how I feel about it. Uh, I've, and, you know, Rachel, she'll wear pants when she's, uh, we're out and about. We go places, she'll wear pants. I ain't got no problem with that. Uh, because uh, I still believe that fits the term of modesty, as long as they're not skin-tight blue jeans or yoga breeches or something like that. I believe that fits the I believe that fits the definition of still fits the definition of modesty. Now, there's preachers that argue that point with me. They say, "No, it's got to be a dress." I never have understood exactly where that's at in the Bible. Uh, if they could show me chapter and verse for it, we'd throw away the we'd throw away the pants and wear dresses. They say, "Well, it's a." Uh, it's like the Bible times. If we dressed like we did in the Bible times, we'd all wear togas, amen. And we'd, all us men would be wearing dresses too. So uh, I, I never have really understood all that. Uh, but I don't fall out with somebody over. Matter of fact, like I was preaching to you about Christian liberty, 
if I'm with somebody that believes that way, then my, my, then Rachel and, and, and Reagan will wear dresses in order to, to be, you know, appropriate. Uh, but I don't believe you have to wear a dress all the time. See what I'm saying? I believe in modesty. That's what I believe. Matter of fact, I've seen some ladies that had a dress on that have been better off with a pair of breeches on as far as modesty is concerned. Uh, am I right? Am I telling it right? And so there's uh, this thing of modesty. That is dressing in such a way that doesn't work to draw attention to yourself. That's the definition of the word. So he deals with that. He deals with the dress of a Christian lady. But then he deals with the deportment of the Christian lady. What are you talking about? Well, the last portion of these verses deals with her behavior. And that she should uh, basically not be uh, a rough, run roughshod at the church and a, a busybody. You know, nobody appreciates a busybody. That's all the time trying to get her way or the highway and all that stuff. That, that, nobody appreciates that, whether it's male or female. Amen. Uh, but uh, she's not to assert the authority over the man. Now, I know there's a lot of people in Yancey County that will, will fight you over that point right there, over a, a woman preacher. And uh, I, don't know, I don't know how you can argue it. It's right there in the Bible. I mean, it's, it, is, it is literally, you know, you can't say, well, that's Old Testament. It's a Pauline epistle. It's, it's, it's Paul's words. They suffer not a woman to teach nor serve authority over a man. Now, I know people... You know, they talk about Francis Radford, dear old Francis. I know people told me that she's the best preacher they ever heard preach. And uh, all I know is they ain't never heard much preaching. Well, I, somebody say amen, Lord have mercy. Surely we can amen the fact there ain't no women preachers. Well, ain't no such thing. Because that, that's not my opinion, that's God's opinion. That's what God said. God said, suffer not a woman to teach. Now, how can you preach without teaching? I think that's an, I think that's an, nor he said to assert authority over a man. And so next week, what I want to do, and I'm going to deal with it a little bit this week, but next week we're going to talk about working as a team, uh, the man and the woman together. But here in her deportment, she ought to act like a lady. And I read a, I read a quote by Margaret Thatcher this week on leadership. I, I'm teaching a leadership class in Bible college. Here's what Margaret Thatcher said. She said, if a woman is a leader, so it's kind of like being a lady. If you are one, you don't have to tell nobody. That's so true. If you're a lady, you won't have to tell nobody because uh, they'll know it by, 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 by the way you dress and the way you carry yourself. And the way. People, know, people know the difference. You see what I'm saying? And we can, for just a minute, let's throw all this political correct business out the window. We need, we, meet, we need male and female again. I tell you, it's crazy. It's crazy what this world's come to and what we've allowed that. I'm telling you, have you been in the Burnsville Ingalls lately? It's, it's ridiculous. I, I mean, every, every cashier, you're like, sir, ma'am, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know what to say. You know, he, she, we, they. I saw one girl, she had her pronouns on her shirt, said, we, they. What in the world is that mess? Legion, is that who's in there? We, they, probably. Legion It's probably who's in there. And I tell you, we need, and we need preaching like this. I'm telling you, the crazier this world gets, the, the, the farther we ought to run the other direction. And, 
And Christians, men ought to act like men and Christian ladies ought to act like ladies. And, and draw a stark distinction there between those, two, between those two ideologies. So there is this thing of the dignity, the dignity of a Christian lady. But then let me show you this. Then there is the duties of a Christian lady. So what's a Christian lady supposed to do? What are you supposed to do? Well, look what the Bible said, 1 Peter chapter number 3. The Bible said, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning, let it not be outward adorning, of plaiting the hair, or wearing of gold, or uh, putting on or apparel, but let it, the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is the sight of God, a great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah bade Abraham call him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as also as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. Now, let's talk about the duties of a Christian lady. I'm going to lay a few of these out right here. There is the duty to nurture the family. A, a lady, ought to, her role is to embrace the role of nurturer in the home. Let me tell you ladies something. When it comes to spiritual matters, you are a missionary to your own home. You know where most people learn Bible verses bouncing on their mama's knee? You know where people first learn about the Bible? They hear it in Bible stories from their mama. You know where they first learn gospel songs? They hear it as their mama sings it at their bedside or at their crib. The mothers naturally are nurturers and missionaries in their own home. And boy, we need the love of a mother, don't we? I tell you, it's so sad. I work in a public school, and I'm telling you these kids, uh, you know, they come up with all these wild ideas, uh, you know, in the 60s I was talking about. They come up with these, all these wild ideas about how much better society was going to be when they got all of it straightened out and got you women, you know, you can figure out that you weren't what, what the society told you to be and you men, you can be whatever you want to be, all that stuff. They got, society was going to be so much better. But would you agree with me tonight? It's not any better. Matter of fact, I'd say things are a lot worse. I work in, this, I work in the school. And these kids in the school, and I'm not talking about one or two here or there. I'm talking about the majority of them live in a home where they're not even loved. They're not even wanted. Uh, their, their mamas and daddies, they, they'll kick them out of the car in the morning, and I open up the door and have to shovel the stuff back in the car where they got stuff falling out everywhere. And I'm talking about, I'm talking about food that's been in there for months and kick them out. I, tell you, I don't believe they'd care if they didn't never see them again. I tell you what we need, and it's an unnatural affection. Mamas ought to love their children. That ought to be the most natural thing in the world is for a mama to love her children. And if you don't think that's, that's nature, go try to take a cub away from a she-bear and, and see what happens. That's because a mama naturally ought to be a nurturer. Are you seeing what I'm saying? A daddy should step in that role of disciplinarian, even though a mom can certainly do that too. But a mom, her number one role is nurture. 
She's there to, she's there to be the love, to be the, the, the compassion. So there's that role in the home to nurture the children. But I'm going to say this to you, ladies. Not only to nurture the children, but also to nurture a love for the husband. Now you say, oh, now, preacher. Well, I'm not going to tell you to call your husband Lord like Sarah did. I read that right there in the Bible. Sarah called Abraham Lord. Where's that at? Oh, it just happens to be on the verse. It's still on the screen. I kind of like the sounds of that, Lord Brad. Lord Frank. It'd be Lord have mercy, I'm afraid. I ain't going to tell you you got to call your husband Lord like Abraham did, but I do believe that the wife, just like I told the husbands last week to pursue their bride, I believe the wife should nurture a love for the husband. And uh, that's how good family works, is in a loving home and in a loving relationship. And let's just be honest, uh, ladies, sometimes men are big old babies and need petting too, amen, and bragged on. It's good every now and again to, I mean, some of y'all are so cynical, you find a fault with everything your husband does. Ain't nothing he does suits you or, or does anything right. Next time he takes out the trash and he walks in the house, tell him, say, boy, you're the best at taking out the trash anybody I've ever seen in my life. I tell you what, I bet them other ladies are so jealous at church when they hear how good you take out the trash. Oh, you're the greatest. I mean, just a little bit. Hey, honey catches more flies than vinegar does. Somebody say amen right there. Well, hallelujah. Nurturing, nurturing. Now, I would say this. You should respect your husband as the leader of your home. Now, that's anti-establishment. That's, that's so against everything we're taught in society today. Everything. And I'm going to tell you, most preachers have, have gotten so, uh, so scared they won't preach on it anymore. They're afraid to preach it because uh, they say, well, you know, that won't go over at my church. Listen, I don't care if it goes over with you or not. It's what the Bible said, what the Bible said, what the Bible said. And a man ought to be the head of the home. That's right. And it's the biblical model. And the, and the biblical model is the only one that will work. We're heading toward, we're not heading toward, we are in a matriarchal society in America in a lot of ways now with the moms calling the shots on everything. But I'm telling you, there is a Bible principle that the man, now that doesn't mean he should be a dictator. That doesn't mean he should take advantage. That doesn't mean that he should be mean in any way. I believe in teamwork. We're going to talk about teamwork here in just a minute. But let me say to you tonight uh, that there is a biblical model that teaches that the dad, the husband, is the head of the house. I said there is a biblical model that the husband is the head of the house. I'm going to keep preaching on it until I hear some more amens. Not very many people here tonight, that's why. So there's the nurturing of the family. But then there's the navigating of the home. Now here's where teamwork comes in. All right, so here's how homes laid out. Jesus, let's take, let's take about the home as a ship. All right? Jesus is the captain. Would you agree with that? Amen. Jesus is the captain. The husband is the first mate. All right? He's the one that follows the orders of the captain. You know what the lady is? She's the navigator. Because she's the one that steers the home. Every time. Every time. 
I'm telling you, I've pastored a long time. Even some of y'all hempecked me and I've pastored y'all a while. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But I know how things work, you know. Ultimately, uh, the wife does what? Gets her way. Now that's right. You ladies have an, an extraordinary superhero kind of power. They ought to make a, they ought to make a Marvel movie about you. Because, buddy, I can make up my mind, set down my foot, bless goodness, this hat's going to be, up until Rachel tells me different. Come on now, somebody say amen. And then all of a sudden, I've decided it's a good idea to do it another way. But you ladies ought to be careful about how you use that superpower. Because God has given you an order in which things are to run. And so if your husband is following God, then your job is to hear from him the way the ship could go, should go and then and then pilot the ship in that direction as the navigator, make sure the family heads in that direction. That's the job of a Christian lady. A Christian lady navigates, see, she navigates the home as the Lord leads the husband. Ultimately, the way that the lady steers the ship is the way the home is going to go. You all know it's the truth. You say that's henpecked. That's reality, friend. That's how things work. But if the man always wants to do it one way and the lady always wants to do it another way, then there's always fuss and there's always friction. And you know what the boat does? It just goes around and around in a circle. Around and around in a circle. But if you want the boat to go down the if you want the boat to go down the water, the thing for you to do is say, honey, you ladies, honey, you follow Jesus. And as you follow Jesus, I'm going to steer this ship right behind the way that you, you and Jesus say to go. We're, just, we're going to keep the ship right on course here. We're going to work as a team. Uh, I'm going to trust your judgment. I'm going to, I'm, I think you're great at it. You're going to do a great job. Oh, boy, now I'm preaching fairy tale stuff. But listen, if some of you would try it, it works. Listen, ladies. Rachel. She allows me to think I'm in charge whether I am or not. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, that's, that's, that's best. At least I assume I am in charge. I'm, I'm making some decisions and it seems to be the way we're going. So <laughs> Sometimes, you know, my wife, she brags on me way more than I deserve. She'll tell me, how good looking I am and how, how, how great that I'm doing and how proud she is of me and how she thinks I'm the greatest husband ever and how she's so, and I'm telling you, I'm going to laugh at her if you want to. I know it's a pack of lies. I know it's a pack of lies. But listen, she gets whatever she wants. <laughs> Amen. It ain't too dumb. She gets whatever she wants out of life. So I'm just simply saying it's a teamwork, it's a navigation, a navigation. So the lady, a Christian lady, is to nurture the family, and then she's to navigate, she's to navigate the home. So that is the dignity of a Christian lady and the duty of a Christian lady, but then lastly, I want to I close this right here. Let's talk just a little bit about the dedication of a Christian lady. Look what the Bible said in Titus chapter number 2, verse number 3. 
The Bible said the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness. Now watch this phrase right here, not false accusers. It's almost like Titus thought as women got older they might want to gossip. So he said don't do that. Well that fell on quiet ears. Not given to much wine. You ladies stay out of the liquor cabinet. <laughs> Teachers are good things. But right here, this phrase right here, look at it. That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, and to love their children. So Paul said, here's what the older ladies are to do. In other words, when you're a Christian lady, it doesn't stop at 35, 45, 55, 65, 75, 85. You still got a job to do. That is to maintain holiness and to help the younger ladies along. Now, in what areas? What areas? Bless goodness, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to teach them. Bless goodness, I know what I'll teach them. Look. Here's what the Bible said. It says, you teach them young ladies, number one is to love Jesus. Teach them young ladies to love Jesus. Look what it said. That they may teach the young women to be sober. In other words, to act like somebody. To become holiness there in that previous verse. Behavior as becometh holiness. In other words, train these younger ladies to act like a lady. Train them up. Ain't nothing wrong learning how to sew, cook. I like it. Amen. Of course, I like to cook too sometimes. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Ain't nothing wrong with these ladies teaching these younger ladies to be ladies. Number one, love Jesus. Love Jesus. Teach them, love, teach them how to live holy. Lives and love Jesus. Let me tell you, some, some of you younger ladies, you ought to pick out some older ladies that you respect and watch them and try to emulate them. There's this thing of loving the Lord there in verse number three. Then it says, love her husband. Teach her to love her husband. And then love her children. Now I want you to notice that, at least that. Love her husband, then love her children. I want, to, I want to make a comment on that or two. It might be that they listed that, that Paul listed loving the husband first because that one's the hardest. Loving the children usually comes pretty easy for a woman. But she said, he said, love the husband and love the children. Now let me make a statement right here. I love my children. Man, I really love my grandchildren during child. I'm kidding. I don't love him any more than you, Reagan. I promise. I do not. Do not. But you know what? These moved off. Gabe's going to marry and move off someday. Reagan will marry and move off someday. Then what? It's me and Rachel again. And if we don't have a relationship, 
If we don't have a relationship that doesn't revolve around our children, once our children's gone, we have no relationship. So the Bible said, love your husband first. That, re- that relationship, listen, I told you this last week, that relationship between husband and wife is the number one relationship before any other relationship, and I'll tell you why. You say, well, I love my kids. I want my kids to be happy. If you want them to be happy, have a happy home, have a happy marriage. A happy marriage makes happy kids. So you love your kids by loving your spouse. You see what I'm saying? And the Bible said here in the book of Titus that these older ladies should teach the younger ladies to love their husbands and then to love their children. Love their children. I want to say something about growing old. And I know I'm just middle-aged. And regardless of what Colton says, you know, the great deer slayer, has he killed a deer this, year, this week? Nothing. Killed times it. Has any of them killed a deer? And them three amigos up there, they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Couldn't find a deer with the FBI. Daryl will come back with 25 deers, big old racks. Them boys come back from Kentucky dragging squirrels' tails. You ain't so tail. Hi, I hope they're watching. I sent them the link. Colton says I'm old, and I guess I am older than a lot of folk. But I tell you what I want out of old life. I want to grow, go old, grow old with grace and sweetness and not be bitter. And I want to invest in that next generation everything I can to make something out of. And you, you, you older ladies, you ought to want to invest in the younger generation coming up behind you. Teach them how to love Jesus. Teach them how to love their husband. Teach them how to love their children. We need it. So, I've come all this way and preached two Wednesday nights to simply say, men ought to be men and women ought to be women. We need Christian men that, that operate according to Bible principles, and we need Christian ladies that operate according to Bible principles. Now, the other stuff that I'm going to teach you and preach to you about over the next few weeks, none of it's going to work if we don't get this down pat right here. As long as the woman's trying to do the man's job and the man's trying to do the woman's job, it will never work. But if both will get in their lane and embrace it and do their job, I think we'll see how we can meld it all together in a marriage that honors God and then in a parenting that honors God and then in a family that honors God. And wouldn't it be great to have a generational family, grandkids and great-grandkids that you live to see honor the Lord? Wouldn't that be a blessing? It all starts with you embracing your biblical role as a man or as a woman. Now listen, we're not, probably not going to do no shouting on Wednesday nights as I'm preaching through this. But I'll guarantee you this, if you get it down, if you'll get it down, it'll bring joy to your home. Because living things the Bible way will bring joy to your home.
bring joy to your home. You say, well, now, I don't know. Me and Summers had this conversation about the druggers. I never have watched that show, but they had like 18 young'uns or something and had a TV show. And, you know, now they're coming out, there was a lot of things going on behind the scenes. And the media said, well, look here. They lived the Christian life. They lived as a Christian home. No, they lived a life of legalism. That's what they lived. They lived a life of legalism. I'm not talking about legalism. I'm talking about living a life according to the Bible as a Christian man, as a Christian lady, and then melding those things together and parenting children the way the Bible says to parent children. I guarantee it'll work every time. It will work every time. Let's stand our feet. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that you've given us to preach to these great Christian ladies tonight here at the church. I pray, Lord, that the words that we've said have not fallen on deaf ears. I pray, God, that you'd help us men to be men. I pray that you'd help the ladies to be ladies. I pray that you'd help the older ladies to invest in the younger ladies, the younger ladies to be interested in learning from the older. God, help us, Lord, to be what we should be, what you created us to be. Father, I pray in the next few weeks as we really delve into some things about family life and some things about raising children, Lord, bring some of these things out of the Bible. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us just to handle it exactly the way you'd have for us to. I don't want to see a single family in my church bust up, Lord. I don't want to see a divorce. I don't see no fam- I don't want to see no kids in a mess. And, Lord, I love these people, and I pray that you'd help me to help them. But most of all, I pray that you'd receive the glory out of it. Lord, whether they like it or not, I pray that you'd receive the glory out of it. We'll thank you and praise you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen.